0: Good Friday evening to all my fellow 101 History Podcast listeners out there. Hard to believe in a couple of days from now, it'll be the very end of August. I tell you, summer's gone by very quick, but for me, the older I get, I guess anything you do, regardless of the time of year, it goes by fast. But hey, that's just life, but we got to make the most of what we can do, regardless of how old we are in our lifetime. So, um, we are back on the air tonight with another um, segment of Michael Schumacher's The Mighty Fitz, The Sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Now, we're in the year 1976. Of course, we're not going to be stuck in the year 1976, but we're starting out with 1976. And the reason I say this is because the Fitzgerald, for starters, uh, she sunk in November, or shall I say on November tenth of nineteen seventy five uh from the previous night's podcast, we talked about that um robotic uh vehicle or what was known as the curve that went um down to the very not to the complete bottom of Lake Superior but about five hundred and thirty feet below her surface to where the curve uh spotted the Fitzgerald. And saw that the ship itself had broken, but the ship itself just didn't break apart in one piece or at one moment. But 200 feet of the ship is missing, or it's not just missing, it's completely disintegrated. It broke, probably broke into um, pieces second by second as it was um, experiencing an agonizing death as it was going all the way down to the bottom of Superior. So, uh, what I do know is that the bow, uh, or rather the stern, was upside down. The bow was on an opposite side. So, basically, given that the ship was 729 feet long, with 200 feet of the ship missing, only 529 feet, About 529 um, feet of the ship remained in existence uh, down at the bottom of Superior. So here we are in 1976, and what is unique about this year is that, for starters, America is celebrating its bicentennial, its 200th birthday. You know, here we are in 2020, we're 244 years old you know, that seems like a long time, 1776 to 2020, but in actuality, it's um, it's not. We're still a very young country compared to many other countries in the world who've been around not just so much longer than, say, the United States, but are much older than us in terms of um, years of existence as an independent country. What also is unique about 1976 is that a Canadian musician by the name of Gordon Lightfoot, who's still alive today at age 81, but back in 1976 he wrote a musical song titled The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which helped redefine his career, but most important of all, it was a song that paid tribute to the 29 men who lost their lives on the Fitzgerald. What became, uh, or should I say, what inspired Gordon Lightfoot to write a song about the Fitzgerald sinking. Well, two weeks after the Fitzgerald uh, sank, in a Newsweek magazine published on November 24th of 1975, the front uh, page of their magazine was titled as follows, The Cruelest Month, and pictured in the center was the Fitzgerald sailing in her prime. Well, the cruelest month is referring to November and to that phrase, or that infamous title, the Gales of November. Because in November, no matter which great lake you're on, Mother Nature will throw her wrath at you, big and small. Some people will live to tell the tale, but most won't. As for Gordon Lightfoot, he had been very fascinated by boats since the time he was a very young, uh, since the time that he was um, a young boy. Around, he had been fascinated by boats since the age of seven, and he was a, he had been drawn to the water since early childhood. Well, if you've been drawn to something at a very early age that you have a strong passion about, it will carry over into your adulthood. And that it did for uh, Gordon Lightfoot. The Fitzgerald story had lots of relevance to Gordon Lightfoot, as he saw the ship sinking as a battle where the mightiest and the largest ship for a period of time, being the Fitzgerald, had lost its battle with powerful waves. Not just powerful waves, but perhaps Mother Nature herself. So, for Gordon Lightfoot, you know, it's interesting. You know, he never, he didn't work on a big iron ore freighter, but he did own a sailboat. Of course, there's a big difference between a sailboat and an iron ore freighter. However, both of those boats have something in common they're out on the water. So, for Gordon Lightfoot, he had owned a sailboat sailboat when the Fitzgerald went down. He had even written about ships and railroads from his folk singing past, but became enthralled in telling a true story And one of his most famous songs, being none other than the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And interesting enough, when Newsweek published their article about the Fitzgerald sinking on November 24th, uh, two weeks after she sank, the article talked about how the Chippewa or the, um, yes, the Chippewa, I should say, or actually I take it back, that tribe that was um, known as the Anishinaabe, but they also were given the name the Chippewa, the tribe itself had referred to Lake Superior as Gitchagumi, the lake which never gives up her dead. For Gordon Lightfoot, in order to do this song, the reference of Gitchagumi itself he knew right away was a good start. In other words, a good start to the entrance or to the beginning of what would become his song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Here's a a good question for for you uh, audience out there to listen to in terms of uh, an answer. What did Gordon Lightfoot say about shipwrecks And this is in uh, quotation. And this was from the book, uh, The Sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald, or what's known as the Mighty Fitz. I want you all to pay careful attention because this this is very powerful. Gordon Lightfoot uh, says the following, shipwrecks are different than your coal mine or railroad disasters, he explained. They have a different quality a mystique, and a mysteriousness. Witnesses usually don't live to tell the tale. How did I, uh, how was I able to um, interpret this? Well, in other words, if I was, um, if an assignment was given to me, and it had to do with the Edmund Fitzgerald, and it had to do with what I just mentioned in quotes, what would be a a good 101 response I could give to you all. Okay, here we go. For starters, coal mine and railroad disasters are more common and receive greater news coverage via television. Those who survive the disasters mentioned above can share their stories, but the gales of November represent an omen, being one where nothing is certain. Mother Nature's forces are working around the clock to where weather itself will make or break a ship and crew safety on, the Great, on Great Lakes waters. The sinking of a ship changes people's views of the world around them. Here is a good example of what I just said at the very end about how the sinking of a ship can change people's views of the world around them. Well, I've mentioned from earlier podcasts about how the Fitzgerald was referred to as the Titanic of the Great Lakes. When the Titanic sank in 1912, people's views of the world were shaken by that loss because everybody on the White Star Line for whom built the Titanic were just so flat out convinced that the ship was unsinkable, that no matter what kind of danger she could have um, been surrounded by, she would find a way to outmaneuver it and just be this ship that could do no wrong and was just the mightiest, um, mightiest force out on the ocean. Well, I hate to say this, but when the Titanic struck the iceberg, Not only um, did she sink, 1,500 people's lives were lost, and too much confidence had been placed in technology. Well, what is the message that we can best learn from this in a nutshell? Man is not the most dominant force in the universe. No matter how sophisticated the technology is, nature is going to still find a way to prevail. And that is also the same thing that happened with the Edmund Fitzgerald. Now, of course, the Edmund Fitzgerald, her crew didn't um, place the same kind of confidence in technology like the Titanic had and her crew had done. But as Gordon Lightfoot mentions in his song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, as I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? What it means is that the Edmund Fitzgerald, for more than an hour, or for consecutive hours, was battling the forces of nature. She was t- she was battling waves, not just um, ordinary waves, but waves that, for starting it for starters, were ten to fifteen foot high waves. But then at the very end, the waves got anywhere from thirty to thirty five feet high, enormous rogue waves where she ultimately lost the battle. It's more than likely that she did hit a shoal, that she was uh, gradually starting to list. But those waves were the battle that she could not win. And those waves ultimately in the end were the straws that broke the camel's back. These waves did not just last for a few minutes. They were lasting for multiple hours. That's why... That's why that verse in his song, "The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald," where the waves turn the minutes to hours, is so powerful. So the forces of Mother Nature just don't last for a few minutes; they last for hours on hours, and that can either make or break for whether or not a ship survives a um, a uh, what do you call it a storm that is um, astronomical. A storm that uh, very few ships could survive and their crew could live to tell the tale. So that's why uh, Gordon Lightfoot is correct in that shipwrecks have a different quality, a mystique and a mysteriousness. In other words, the mysteriousness meanings, meaning the theories that could be best explained behind why the ship sank. Those mysteries, those clues... Those theories, they will always be debated. But the mysteriousness to it never goes away. You know, it's interesting. Even um, after, in the years after Titanic sank, real quick, um, Doctor Ballard, Doctor Robert Ballard, I should say, he and his crew were the ones that discovered the wreckage of the Titanic. And I'd read a book some years back where Dr. Ballard had made a comment, and it was a very powerful comment. He said that the loss of the Titanic was like the, was, I, I don't know if, if this is the exact quotes, but I'm gonna word this as best as I can because I do remember a good part of it. Dr. Ballard said the following, the loss of the Titanic was the same as the loss of President John F. Kennedy People's views of the world are shaken by such tragedies. And then he took an example of the space shuttle, the Challenger. And I remember when the Challenger uh, exploded in air. I was about six years old, but I do remember it. And then Dr. Ballard said, like the Challenger, and the same for the Titanic, too much confidence had been placed in technology. Well, as for President Kennedy he was a larger than life figure whenever people saw him in person or on television they saw him as someone they could relate to someone who you know brought a lot of hope to people they saw him as someone who could live on forever someone who just didn't seem to have any enemies and then when he was sadly assassinated on November 22nd, 1963, a great deal of innocence was taken away. Matter of fact, my father has always said that the day President Kennedy died, it was his 9-11, and I can can agree with him on that. But anyways, back to the uh, main uh, focal point of what we're discussing. Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald would would become the centerpiece of every concert because this song would be the one that he would be best remembered for. The song itself kept the crew of the Fitzgerald spirit alive. And it wasn't just his song that kept the spirit alive. Not long after uh, the Fitzgerald's final voyage, the first written accounts behind that trip were published, which helped stimulate... Public interest at a higher level. Now, I kid you not. uh, There is there there is this man. I don't know if he's even alive today still. But I kid you not. His name is Robert E. Lee. I don't know if there is a connection to that famous Confederate General Robert E. Lee. But nonetheless, this man's name is Robert E. Lee. He was the curator of the Dawson Great Lakes Museum in Detroit. He was the first person to notify Father Richard Ingalls, who was a priest. He was the first to notify him about the news behind the Fitzgerald's loss. Now, Father Ingalls went to the uh, Mariner's Church. As a matter of fact, he was the head uh, parishioner of the Mariner's Church in Detroit, which catered to people of all faiths who came to mourn. And pray for those who were either on the on the waters of the Great Lakes or who had sadly lost their lives. But nonetheless, uh, Mr. Lee was the first to notify Father Richard Ingalls, who went about seeing to it that the bell, at, the church bell at the Maritime um, Cathedral in Detroit, rang 29 times, honoring each man whom lost his life on the Fitzgerald. Ironically, Mr. Lee would become the first person to write a book about the Fitzgerald being that of her entire life, which was from 1957 to 1975. That book was published in 1977. Another fellow later in that year who published a book on the Fitzgerald was Frederick Stonehouse, who wrote... uh, how do I say it? Uh, Mr. Stonehouse uh, was a native of the Great Lakes region and had written other books about the Great Lakes themselves, but he also wrote a book about the Fitzgerald and the aftermath of widespread information about the ship's sinking. Then you have a fellow named Robert J. Hemming, who was a journalist who interviewed a number of lost crewmen's family members, including those who were involved in the search and rescue mission. Mr. Hemming went about having uh, multiple conversations with the men who earned their livings on the lakes. And he also, um, I think I may have said this a moment ago, so pardon me if I've said it again, he interviewed a number of lost crewmen's family members. And I think that's uh, very remarkable because he probably gained a lot of... um, different perspectives as to what uh, as to what widows and sons and daughters had to say about the ship's uh, sinking in nineteen eighty one mr. Hemming published a um, an account or, or rather I should say a book titled the Gales of November which focused on the Fitzgerald's final two days here's a question that must be taken into consideration for every book published about the Edmund Fitzgerald. Did it keep her story as a ship alive? Uh, The answer is yes. And that was all and and all for the right reasons because yes, this ship sank 45 years ago. Her memory must still remain alive. We must keep those 29 men's spirit alive because they paid, they paid a price, uh, a good price they were willing to risk their own lives out on the waters of the Great Lakes. And there have to be people out there who do that kind of stuff. Same, like The same way with those who work in a coal mine, those who go commercial fishing, those who serve in our military. We have to have people who are willing to put their lives on the line to ensure that the rest of us can live safely in freedom that those of us are who depend upon others, you know, to do things that most other people wouldn't do, the bottom line is there has to be some kind of a system in play where pe- some people can step up to the plate and be the equivalent of the few and the proud, the Marines. The bottom line is everybody has a role to play. And if we don't play a certain role, then how are we going to be able to look after one another? For, all, for each new book that was published about the Fitzgerald, which did keep her spirit alive, at the same time, did each new book open up some form of old wound? The answer is yes. Each family had their own opinion on how the Fitzgerald story was to be told. In other words, some family members had different um, opinions on what they thought caused the ship to sink, whereas others had opposite views. I I would like to believe that the 29 families who lost loved ones out on Lake Superior probably all did come together. I think it's fair to say that they all had to have known each other. If they didn't, they would have obviously become better acquainted with one another as a result of this uh, tragedy but at the same time i think it would be very hard it would be very un unrealistic and unlikely to think that any of these uh family members who've lost loved ones would have it out for one another of course in this day and age you just never know how people are to one another when something happens and sometimes and not just sometimes a lot of times in the world now we're so quick to rush to judgment that we never really have time to sit down And get our facts straight before we just start making blatant accusations that have no merit. Well, I thought about this. You know, I've mentioned Gordon Lightfoot's song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, quite a bit. And I know most of you out there know who Gordon Lightfoot is. Most of you have probably heard other songs of his, like Sundown. Um, Another one is If You Could Read My Mind. There are a few other songs of his that I've heard that are very well known. But as I said before from another podcast, that when I first heard about the song The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, it was about six or seven years ago. And for a couple of times after hearing about the song, I wondered, hey, was there really a ship named the Edmund Fitzgerald? So I did my homework, and what do you know? There was this ship, the Edmund Fitzgerald. I wanted to know as much as possible about what made this ship so unique. Well, given from all the podcasts that I've discussed with you all about her, we've really been able to decipher the fact that she was an amazing ship. After all, there was a reason why she was called the Titanic of the Great Lakes. There was a reason why she was called the Toledo Express, because of just how many trips she made into Toledo, Ohio. So, I think I, I will be doing Gordon Lightfoot a favor by singing you all the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Now, I'm not auditioning for American Idol or America's Got Talent. I can promise you that right now. But I do believe that I can sing this song because I feel like I ought to owe it to the crew who lost their lives on this ship. I wasn't alive when it happened. I was born four years after it did. But given that the ship sank 45 years ago, no matter how many times this song comes on the radio, it's almost as if it was just not too long ago when the incident happened. But thank heavens Gordon Lightfoot didn't wrote this song when he did, because if he hadn't, I'm not sure who would have written the song about those who those men who had lost their lives. The song itself... Well, yes, it may be about just the Edmund Fitzgerald, but it's also dedicated to all the other men who had lost their lives out on the Great Lakes, most notably the Carl Bradley from 1958 and the Daniel J. Morell from 1966. I know a few things about those ships, but I would have to read a little bit more to understand just how significant their sinkings were. So... Are we ready to uh, listen to The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot? Well, here we go. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down Of the big lake they call Gitchagumi The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead When the skies of November turn gloomy With a load of iron ore 26,000 tons more Than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. The ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some mill in Wisconsin. As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most, with a crew and good captain well-seasoned, concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms when they left fully loaded for Cleveland. And later that night, when the ship's bell rang, Could it be the north wind they had been feeling? The wind in the wires made a tattletale sound, And a wave broke over the railing. And every man knew, as the captain did too, Twas the witch of November come stealing. The dawn came late, and the breakfast had to wait, When the gales of November came slashing When afternoon came it was freezing rain In the face of the hurricane west wind When supper time came the old cook came on deck saying Fellas it's too rough to feed ya At 7 p.m. a main hatchway caved in He said fellas it's been good to know ya The captain wired in, he had water coming in, and the good ship and crew was in peril. And later that night, when his lights went out of sight, came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? The searchers all say they would have made Whitefish Bay if they had put fifteen more miles behind her. They might have split up or they might have capsized They may have broke deep and took water And all that remains is the faces and the names Of the wives and the sons and the daughters Lake Huron rolls, Superior sings In the rooms of her ice-water mansion Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams The islands and bays are for sportsmen And farther below Lake Ontario Takes in what Lake Erie can send her And the iron boats go as the mariners all know With the gales of November remembered In a musty old hall in Detroit They prayed in the Maritime Sailors Cathedral The church bell chimed till it rang 29 times For each man on the Edmund Fitzgerald The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. Superior, they said, never gives up her dead when the gales of November come early. Well, Well, there you have it, folks. That is Gordon Lightfoot's song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. If you go online, you can actually see in one video the Fitzgerald herself. Just navigating peacefully on Lake Superior. This song um, is very powerful, as you can tell. This song should serve as a reminder of what of a ship who uh, had a glorious career, and she still was in the prime of her um, time. So for 18 years. She ruled the Great Lakes. That's not to say that other iron ore freighters came along in the years after she was built and were bigger than her, but for a period of time, when people, when people saw a ship and they knew that the one they were referring to was luxurious, or we're not talking so much Titanic, but was the Titanic of the Great Lakes Think of the Edmund Fitzgerald. She was, she was something else. Well, we will have um, more to tell, or should I say more to discuss in another podcast uh, coming up here soon. But let's uh, keep in mind about Gordon Lightfoot. If you ever see him sing, or if you ever hear him in an interview, you can say to yourself, thank you, Mr. Lightfoot, for keeping the ship's spirit alive. Not just the ship's spirit alive, but for all the other ships who lost their lives on the Great Lakes. And for those who still navigate the Great Lakes, because even to this day, the iron ore freighters and the freighters themselves are still playing a vital role in transporting goods up and down the coasts of the Great Lakes, especially to those cities that are dependent upon the natural resources like Cleveland, Detroit, and anywhere else you go um, in that uh, Midwestern, um, what do you call it, industrial belt areas. Thank you for listening, and, um, and, uh, and I strongly recommend uh, listening to The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald on more than just one occasion. I hope that my um, singing of the song was good, and like I said, this is not for American Idol or America's Got Talent, but it's my way of keeping the Fitzgerald alive. Thank you and look forward to being back on the air on the air again soon. Take care.